So why are we so angry? Why are we so angry? There's lots of anger out and about these days. I don't know if it's increasing or if it's just there's more ways that we find out about it, but so much anger. Comes out in violence and movies and in entertainment, in our schools, in homes and marriages, even in churches. Anger. People says, well, I'm not angry. Really, you should check your voice at the door if you're not. Because it, it comes out sideways. It comes out in ways like heart issues or stress or anxiety or depression. We react to things instead of responding to things. It's really a general inability for us to be able to have conversations. We just get mad. Anger. Grudge. Resentment. If you know anything about the AA program, there's a great booklet that they use called, it's been out of print, but somebody borrowed mine and never gave it back. It's a great, I used to borrow it out to people. It said, the golden book of resentments. Very interesting reflection. So what is anger? Well, a lot of times people say if you scratch under the surface of anger, it's hurt. But of course, we can't tell somebody we're hurt, so we'll just be mad. And if you scratch under the hurt, many times, if not most of the times, it, it stems from a loss of control. Things aren't going the way I want them to go. And so if I'm not in control, I am mad. It's not just about being wronged, but it's also at the times that we forget that we wrong too. Ain't none of us perfect. But as the scriptures outline for us today, anger most commonly is expressed in unforgiveness. And that unforgiveness is worse when we use it as an excuse not to do the things we should do or not to do the good things. So I re I mean, this happened millions of times, but one uh, that stands out in my mind is a person who was, was mad at, uh, at their pastor from 60 years ago, and that priest was dead and gone in ashes. But by golly, he was still mad at that pastor, so he wasn't going to go to church. Ridiculous. So we have this great account today from Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel. And so you need to know a couple things about the rabbinic teaching on forgiveness. So the Jewish teaching on forgiveness basically says, if somebody wrongs you once, you forgive them once. If they wrong you again, you can forgive them twice. And if they wrong you a third time, you forgive them. But after that, you're done. You don't owe them anything else. That was the rabbinic teaching. So when good old Peter came to Jesus, he says, you know, he asked Jesus a question, and then he answered it himself. Um, you know, how often must I forgive my brother? Seven times? So he thought, I'm doing really good. I'm going way beyond what the law says. And Jesus said, no. Seventy-seven times. Now, in Scripture, seven is a perfect number. And so 77 is, is eternal, is endless. And so that means you're never done forgiving. Now, that doesn't set well with us. It doesn't set well with us. We're never done. It's limitless. Now, 
Why in the world would we do that? We say, well, Jesus, that's great for you, but not for me. Well, Jesus is the reason that we get together and talk about this. Because you see, Jesus paid the debt. He forgave us for the sins that you and I merrily keep committing all the time over and over and over again while thinking that he's going to forgive us. And of course, he always does if we're sorry. Don't presume forgiveness if you're, if you're not sorry. Don't say, oh, well, God will forgive me. No, <laughs> he won't if you're not sorry. But because his forgiveness for us is endless, he expects the exact same thing from us. Now, is there a problem with that? Yes, <laughs> there is. Because we keep score. We don't like to do that. And there's some things that, that I remind you about because I remind myself a lot of times about forgiveness. First one is that forgiveness is not earned. Somebody doesn't earn your forgiveness. Just doesn't work that way. Forgiveness is a decision, it's not a feeling. So if somebody's really hurt you or wronged you, if you think there's gonna be a day you're gonna wake up and say, I think I'm gonna forgive him today. It isn't gonna happen. You will never, ever do that. It's a decision. And I've, I've talked to a couple of people after each Mass this weekend already because a lot of people struggle with this, myself included. And if it's a deep hurt, you may have to continue to ask God to help you to forgive till the end of your life. But the important thing is, is you're in the posture of trying. Because if you don't forgive, you write somebody off, you're actually saying even God can help them, and that's close to blasphemy. And so when we think about this forgiveness thing, then we think about the Our Father that we say, you know, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Be very careful when you say that prayer. Because you're setting yourself up to do what Christ told you to do. And if you have no intention of doing it, you can't go, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, except her. It doesn't work that way. There are no exceptions to the rule. And so when he says, as we forgive those who trespass against us, it's not just once, it's not just twice, but it's every time because we expect God to forgive us every time. Sometimes in confession, people say, Father, you know, I just, I, I don't go to confession anymore because it's the same dang thing over and over again. And I said, be, be glad. <laughs> be glad that it's the same thing over and over again. It's, oh, I got some new sin I got to worry about now because it puts us in the posture of receiving from the Lord. That's why if you remember Paul's homily from last week, he, he mentioned that from the reading, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. It's not keeping score. It's not feeling like somebody deserves it. It's not bestowing. A... The other thing that's, that's kind of sadistic about unforgiveness is this. Most of the time, people who refuse to forgive think they're the ones in control. Nothing is further from the truth. You're not in control. If you're withholding forgiveness from somebody, a lot of times a person doesn't even know it. It's affecting you more than us because unforgiveness is a cancer in our spiritual lives. 
So what about this debt business? So obviously we're supposed to be thinking about Christ's debt paid for us, but let's go back to the gospel for a second as we put a kind of a cap on this. If you study this passage, the guy's debt, who was a huge amount that couldn't be, be repaid, one of the commentators that I read said what he owed was one entire region's income for a year. Now, I don't know how he got that much in debt, but that's a huge amount. So, of course, there was no way he could ever pay it back. And so you heard what was going to happen, sell you, your wife, your kids, and, and all that. And so he begged him, and it was all written off. It was all written off. Then when he ran into this friend of his, the commentator says he probably owed him one five-hundredth of that. And so what happens is they say, no, we're going to throw you into prison and, uh, until you pay it back. Well, last I checked, you know, they weren't making license plates in those days in prison. If you can't work, you can't pay back, which means what? You are eternally in debt. And so this guy then, we, we, we hear what happens. They go back to the mass and they say, hey, this screwball is really, really a mess. And so what happened to him? It said that he was going to, you wicked servant, he said. He didn't say, oh, you dummy. He said, you wicked servant. I forgave you your entire debt because you begged me. Then in anger, his master handed him over to the torturers until he should pay back the whole debt. If you don't forgive, you will never be forgiven. Period. This isn't about fairness. This is about what God asks us to do. So I've been, I was reading out of a couple of books, several stories about forgiveness, and one really stuck with me, and I want to leave it with you today. <clears throat> there was a young man in India who was a Christian, and he was working in a factory that made orange marmalade. And uh, he was trying to save up some money so that he could go to school. Eventually, he was even entertaining going to the seminary. So he was working, and his supervisor was not a Christian, and he hated him. And so one day, the supervisor just blew up, and he said, you are defiling our product with your Christian hands. And he took one of those little jars and he smashed it in the guy's face and ripped his skin all up. So, of course, the guy left and life went on. Some years later, he decided that he did want to go to seminary to be a priest. But he thought, I can't do this until I forgive the guy who did this to me. So he wrote him a letter and sent it to the factory where he worked. He went to seminary. Sometime later, there's a knock at his door. He opened it, and it's that guy. And he said, why did you write me that letter? He said, because I have to. I'm a Christian. I can't say that I'm going to work for the Lord if I refuse to forgive. And so the guy had brought with him two jars of that marmalade and gave it to him. And then he looked at the guy, the seminarian, and he said, what are you going to do about those scars on your face? And the guy said, every time I look in the mirror, it's going to remind me that I'm a Christian who can forgive.
That's why I've shared with you before, I'll share with you again, I've got this little tin sign in my kitchen that says, forgive everybody everything. Because if we don't, we're damned.